Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, we heard the uh, last portion of that chapter read a moment ago as we observed the video together. We'll be looking there in Isaiah chapter 40, particularly the last verses. It had been about 20 years, and so I had a lot of making up to do. I hadn't exercised in a long time. And so I thought I would catch up on 20 years of absolute sitting around, eating too many chips and being lazy. I, I wanted to make up for all of that in one good workout. And so I decided I'd, I'd really work out hard. Now, I'm not very bright, but I think I, I, I have a work ethic. I know how to work. And uh, I got a video on how to exercise, how to do it, how to get strong. I heard the testimonials on the infomercial. If I only did this for 90 days, I would be cool, all right? And I'm all about getting cool if only, only 90 days. If that's all it takes, I'm in. And so the first workout came, and I turned the video on, and everyone's exercising there, you know, and, and they're doing push-ups and pull-ups and all the rest. And, and I skipped the first part of the video where they said, fix yourself, check with a doctor, uh, don't do too much to get started with. I skipped all that and got right into the workout, and I'm killing it. I'm working, making up for 20 years of sitting around. And uh, at the end of that workout, I, I uh, worked out so hard, I made my way to the restroom. Now, how many of you are familiar with why you would go there after exercising too much? A few of you? Good. All right. Very good. Okay, yeah, a few of you. Okay. You work out too hard, bad things happen. And, and uh, boy, it was not good. And so I uh, went to sleep that night. I woke up the next day, and I noticed something when I woke up the next day. I'm very perceptive. What I noticed when I woke up was I could not move my arms. Okay, I picked right up on that. Not being able to move your arms is a problem. You can't put a shirt on if you can't move your arms. You can't wash your hair or brush your teeth if you can't move your arms. And I noticed my arms were immovable. I had a problem. And uh, I thought, well, it's going to feel better as time goes on. The next day, not much better. The next day, a little. I mean, by the 10th day, a little mobility, but I still wasn't doing real good and swollen. And, and uh, it wasn't that the muscles had grown. They were just swollen. And, and finally, Lisa said, you know, you need to go to the doctor. And I was afraid to do so for fear they would officially diagnose me with having wimpitis, okay? And I didn't want to be uh, officially declared by a medical professional that, yep, you're a wimp, that's it, you got wimpitis, here's your prescription, go get some anti-wimp pills, you'll be just fine. I did not want that to happen. But I worked out and worked out and worked out, and rather than getting strong, I actually felt like I got weaker. Now, in the physical realm, that's an annoyance. It's embarrassing. It's inconvenient. But did you know in the spiritual realm, we can try and try to develop strength on our own? And we'll find out we're actually going to get weaker and weaker. The reality is we've been called by God to live a life that we're not equipped to live. God routinely asks us to do things that we're not able to do. He, he wants us to live a life of faith for Him. And He wants us to see much accomplished. But we're not geared in such a way that we can produce what it is God asks us to do and be. And so God says, here's what I'll do for you. I'll make my strength available to you. I'll be there with you. I'll help you along the way. You know, the irony in trying to develop our own spiritual strength is the more we try, the worse we fail. Fatigue sets in when we're trying, it's not going well, and then frustration comes, and, and then that leads to failure. And God says, look, you don't need to go through life drifting from fatigue to frustration to failure. He said, I've got some strength for you. Our current studies, you know, is entitled, I Am. We're learning all about God. We've discovered He's our sufficiency and He provides for us and, and uh, he, he meets our needs. And, and we saw the text together a moment ago, but if your Bibles are open, I want you to specifically look at verse 29. 
and hear what it is that God has to say to all of us today. Verse 29, the Bible says this, He giveth power to the faint. And I want you to notice that expression, power to the faint. That's what God does. Power to the faint. Our Father, we're thankful today that you're a God that gives your word and keeps your word. And Lord, we need you to meet with us today, be glorified by this time, be honored in it. And I pray that we would work hard to study, to learn, to grow. I need your strength on my life at this moment, Lord. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's been blessing our small group ministry, and we're thankful that on Thursday evenings, the majority of the groups gather together, and we have a variety of topics that we can study. Last October, we went not only to a different schedule to accommodate the needs of more folks that were coming and to open up space for people yet to come, for those yet to be reached, we, we also began to incorporate more of a quarterly or a semester system. And I like it. And I think many people in our church are enjoying it very much as well. We, we have classes that can be taken, uh, things that you would be interested in. Now, I've taught a midweek Bible study for nearly 12 years now, but I had an opportunity this semester to sit down with my wife and actually take a class on Thursday nights. i got to tell you, I love it. It seems strange sitting next to my wife during a service time. Normally, I'm, I'm standing up and she's sitting down, and, and, uh, but to sit down, it's kind of good. Sometimes we hold hands, you know, we write notes a little bit, and uh, we enjoy that time together. But one thing we enjoy very much is the topic of the class we're taking on Thursday nights. About 60 to 70 of you are taking the same class in there, and we're, we're studying financial peace. Financial Peace University is what it's called. And I'm enjoying sitting in that class and being taught by someone that knows more than I do on that topic who, who can encourage me and, and help me. And one point that has been, been brought to light over and over in that class is that we all have a tendency to participate in a lifestyle that cannot possibly lead to financial peace. We many times know better than we do. I've appreciated learning. I've enjoyed Dave's teaching. He's, he's helping me. But I've noticed that so many of the principles he shares, they're not new. They're not original. Quite often, I'll sit there and I'll think to myself, when he teaches us something, I know that. But there can be a big disconnect between what we know and what we do. The problem is that I don't always do what I know, and we tend to get stuck in patterns that just don't add up. We tend to do things that won't lead to success. We find that in our finances. It can be found in our families, and all of it is connected to our faith. You see, God has established life in such a way that He wants us on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis to go to Him for the strength we need for the task at hand. That's how He set it up. Or the father that was funding his son's education and he would give his son the, uh, the, the money for the semester. The son would take the money and the father said, I'd never see him again to the end of the semester. He changed it to where on a weekly basis his son could come over and get enough money just for that week. That dad was ensuring that his son would come by. You see, God in one felt swoop could give us all the strength we need forever and ever and that'd be the end of it. But the thing is, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. 
He loves it when we regularly come to Him and spend time with Him and tell Him how it's going and tell Him what it is we're heading into. And He's God. He knows it. But being a God of love, He's a God that wants to spend time with you and He wants to spend time with me. And He created us with with goals and objectives in life that are beyond our ability and our physical strength. So we would have to come to Him and say, God, I'm going to need your strength today. I've got a marriage to build and I don't know how to do it. And I've got children to rear and I don't know how to do that. And I've got a career. To, uh, to build up, God, I need you. He just loves it when we come to him and say, God, I need your strength in my life. It's the way he set it up. You see, God meets our, our, meets our need for strength on a day-by-day and a moment-by-moment basis. Now, the verses that we're studying in Isaiah came to a time of great national weakness for the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah was seeking to encourage, he was seeking to instruct this group of people here. He wanted them to know there was a better way to do life than just day by day to eke through based on what our energies could give us. He said there's a better way. And the better way of which he spoke was the strength of God. Now, as we study this text together, the first element we see here is the guarantee of strength. The guarantee. As we think of verse 28... There's a rhetorical question that's asked there. The Bible says it this way. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? I I love the way this question is asked. It's a rhetorical question. I say that because as it's being asked, the people knew the answer to this question. Really, the answer is found in the question. When, When it was said, hast thou not known, the implication was this. You guys know this. You know that God has power. You've experienced some of this firsthand and you've heard about others. He said, you know this. And then the the question is is developed even further. He said, hast thou not heard? What was the implication? They had to heard. They had the tradition of their fathers that would reveal to them how great God is and how powerful God is. And, And we today can hear through the Bible. And so the question was asked to make the point, you know how great God is. You know it. The point he was making is that God's power is well known. We don't have to wonder if God is up for the struggle that we have. He has more than enough strength. The Bible tells us in this text, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. The Bible says he fainteth not, neither is weary. God is up to any challenge. The Bible is making this point. You and I, we are created individuals. We've been created not by a cosmic accident. We've been created by God Almighty. And when the Bible emphasizes reality that God's the creator, creator, it's not that God has an axe to grind or he's trying to prove himself or refute those that have another position. He's trying to assure those that have this understanding that if he could create all of this, he certainly can enable the created ones, the, the humans he created, to live a life of victory. You see, there's a guarantee in the strength of God. I heard a story of a young boy who's riding on an airplane, sitting next to him was a Christian man and this boy was traveling alone. He took out a book of things he was going to doodle in and draw and so forth. And, and in this book he brought along to help pass the time, there was a, a paper from a Sunday school class. And, and this man, being a Christian, saw the Sunday school paper in the, on the lap of the child and thought he would, he would uh, talk to him and maybe tease him a little bit. And, and he said, son, can you tell me one good thing God can do? If you can tell me that, I'll give you this apple. 
The boy thought for a minute, and he said, if you can tell me one thing God can't do, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. You know, that boy thought through it and said, let me tell you a little bit about my God, sir. He's, he's not a God that can do one or two or three things. He's a great God. The Bible says there's no searching of his understanding. Pascal of years gone by wrote the single greatest distinguishing feature of the omnipotence or the all-powerfulness uh, of, of God is this. Our imagination gets lost when thinking about it. Psalm 121.2 says, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Again, the Bible goes back to this creative power of God. If He can create it all, He can oversee it all. We find a guarantee in the strength of God. I want you guys to imagine you showed up for church next week and we had just candles up everywhere. Now, a few people would say, oh, this is neat. You know, maybe a candlelight service or something. The majority of people would say, well, this is weird. What's up with the candles? Turn the lights on, man. But you're gracious enough. You probably wouldn't say that at first, thinking maybe there's something going on. And, and then uh, we don't use the sound system that day. And I just I try and just speak up, you know, so folks can hear me. And, and uh, we go through this kind of peculiar service. We get to the end of the service and you ask me, you're like, hey, what was up with the candles today? And why no, no sound system? And I were to say, you know, I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to flip the switch to get the power going today. I mean, what if I got shocked? Or what if I turned the power switch on and the power wasn't really there? And then I'd be really disappointed. And man, that, that, that could ruin my whole day if I, if I put my confidence in the electricity and it didn't come through for me. And, and at some point, you guys would think, this guy's out of his mind. He's missing out on one of the greatest benefits of living in a civilized uh, society. We have electricity. We don't apologize for that. I don't feel bad for that. I'm grateful for a carbon footprint. I like electricity. I'd be missing out on a lot if I didn't turn the lights on. But sometimes as Christians, what we do is this. What if I trust God and it doesn't come through for me? What if I try to live by faith and, and in the midst of it all, it just doesn't work out too good if, if something negative comes of it. And, and what happens is we, we miss out on the value of God's strength because we are not willing to put God to the test. I'm just telling you today that God's strength is guaranteed. See the guarantee of it, but we find, secondly in this text, the gift of strength. Look to verse 29, if you would, please. The Bible goes on to say, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Now, in verse 28, we learn that God does not faint. In verse 29, the Bible says he gives power to the strength. God gives power. When God gives something to persons and people that don't deserve it, there's a word for that. It's grace, unmerited favor. The Bible says we have no strength, and yet God gives strength. And the beauty in this is the reality that we all know what it is to be faint in life. Listen, spiritually speaking, we all know what it is to be worked out so hard that it's all we can do to make it to the couch. We all know what it is to be sore from life, having been worked out. And the Bible says that, that God has a gift that He'll give to people that are faint. It's the gift of strength. And the fact that we all understand what being faint is, we, we then know that makes us candidates for the gift of strength. Maybe you've heard of a, a commercial of some unbelievable sale or some deal. Or you got the paper and you saw the car of your dreams was uh, for some really low price. You, you run in to get this special and you find out, oh, that, that was one at that price. And it, it was sold a long time ago. The ad's still running. Or this deal doesn't apply to you. These terms are, are not for you. They're for others. We all know what it is to get excited about something to be denied, to be rejected, to be turned away. 
And the Bible's teaching us that God does not do that. When we come to Him in faith, we're blessed every time. God sees that, that heart that's coming to Him saying, Lord, I need you, and He works in our midst. Hebrews eleven six makes the point this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The Bible says we have to believe He is. You say, what's that all about? Remember when we started this study? How God introduced himself to Moses? He said, I am. And the Bible says if we're going to know God's strength, we have to believe that he is, I am. We, we are understanding who God is. We're trusting him. We're living by faith. And friends, I want you to know, we might think that our fainting would disqualify us from the grace of God. But grace, by definition, can only go to those that aren't qualified for it. And so if you're faint today, you, friend, are qualified for the gift of God's strength. Now, if I were God or if you were God, I'd look at most people and think, I'm not going to give a gift to that person he doesn't deserve it this guy he's fainting this guy's weary this guy he, he failed this guy he stumbled all these pro all these people have problems I'm not going to bless any of these people because they've got problems and that's how we look at it because we're all dialed into a performance-based friendship a performance-based acceptance you do these things I like you you don't do these things I don't like you that's how the majority of the relationships work in our lives but God does not look at us and say I'm not going to grace you or bless you or give you strength because you're weak because you've had trials and troubles, because you've stumbled, even because you've had failures in your life. You see, all those things that would disqualify us in the eyes of others are the very factors that God Almighty looks into your life and says, there's a person that's had some difficulty and some struggles and some weakness. That's the very person that needs me the most. And if we come to Him in faith, believing that He is, He in His grace will give us the strength we need to do the things that He's given us to do. That's how it works. Again, I think, I think we miss this so often because we've been accustomed to the performance-based acceptance model in life. You do for me, I'm there for you. You mess me up, I'm out of here. I, I wonder how capable we are of totally grasping love in unconditional, unlimited love. You see, God doesn't look at us and say, because you guys are great, I'm going to bless you. He looks at us and says, you guys really need somebody to love you the way you are to take you to where it is I can take you. God does not bless us because we're strong. He blesses us because he's strong. There's a guarantee in his strength, no doubt about it. There's, there's a gift in, in his strength, but we also find the growth of strength. The growth. Again, verse 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth, increaseth. Now, there are a lot of things in the Bible that just don't add up to our way of thinking. For example, the Bible says that if you give, you'll be blessed. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Again, unsaved people hear something like that and they think it's like Jedi mind tricks. Come on, it doesn't work that way. But if you've lived by faith and put God to the to the test, you've had times in your life where you've gone out of your way to help someone or to give or to be a blessing, and God's blessed you in return. I'm not saying if you give, God's going to you rich. That's not really what the Bible's saying. But there's a joy in life that you can't get if you're a miser. And so God sometimes says things that, humanly speaking, it doesn't always measure up. Give and, and you'll be blessed. I think at times where the Bible says, uh, he, he that will be first will be last, and the last shall be first. That doesn't add up in our way of thinking. The Bible says, if you're a spiritual leader, you're a servant. 
You're not lording over people, you're serving people. These are called paradoxes. And there's what I believe to be a paradox in this text. The Bible says in verse 29 that those that have no might, zero, no might, they're going to increase strength. Now, my math teacher informed me years ago that anything multiplied by zero is zero. If you have no might, there, there's nothing there to grow. You're, you're at zero. There's nowhere to go. But in this case, we can bring our weakness to God and find His strength in return. Not good math, but it spiritually makes great sense. 2 Corinthians 12 says this in verse 9. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My, uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's the idea. We have no strength in and of ourselves. None. We're not equipped to do any good thing in life apart from God. We have no strength. Our spiritual strength in life, it accrues in proportion to our dependence upon God. That's how it works. Our strength accrues in proportion to our trust in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Friend, have you noticed the entire world system is this? You can do it. You can do anything. Be all you can be and all these things. The whole educational philosophy in our land is, is uh, uh, trying to empower people to the point where they feel sufficient to take on the task of life. Christian education is to come at it from a complete different angle. We are not sufficient at all. Our sufficiency is of God. And so when we get together, we don't have a pep talk. We don't have a seminar on, on, on how just go out there and you can make it happen. The reality is, if it's a Bible-based church, we get together to be reminded each week we don't have what it takes, but praise God, we serve a God that does have what it takes. And so we come to Him and say, Lord, we're not sufficient in and of ourselves. We find our sufficiency in You. We'll only know what God's strength is all about when we learn of our own insufficiency and inadequacy. I want you to imagine that God went to a cupboard want to get something to drink and uh, so he comes to the cupboard and he opens it up and he finds a couple couple of containers in there he finds this one it's full and this one is empty well it doesn't take a genius to figure out if he opened the cupboard and wanted to get something to drink and this one's full and this one was empty he, he couldn't take this one it's, it's got stuff in it he'd, he'd have to take this one and, you know, a lot of times we come to God like this, full of self-interest and self-desires and just self in general, self-sufficiency. I think, boy, it'd be great if, if I could just have the Lord give me a strength. And God says, but you're, you're full. You're full of self. There's no room in there. We think, well, I, I, I know, but I kind of like self. God, can I just maybe have a little view on the top here? And for, for many, many believers, that's about how we get through life. We'll, we'll go with self as far as we can, and then we'll take a little bit of the Lord on top of that, hoping that somehow that'll, that'll balance things out. Yep. Tastes pretty good for self, you know. You see, God, when He wants to use a vessel, He asks two things of it. One, that it's clean. And two, that it's empty. A clean vessel, humanly speaking, is a life that is saying, Lord, I want to be holy before you. And, and, and an empty vessel is one that says, God, I want to yield to you. 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21 tell this story. The Bible says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of glory, 
and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. What's the Bible saying there? Man, in a big house, there's all kinds of glasses in the cupboard. Some are expensive, some are not expensive at all, but the Bible says what, what makes us meet for the master's use or fit to be used by God is the fact that we're purged from these things and we're living a clean life before God. We're empty of self. Wouldn't it be a shame to have a measure of God's strength just topping it off and miss the fullness? What a shame it would be to simply find a way to make it through life without really knowing what God's strength means for all of us. I heard of a missionary that went to the field and as he arrived, another missionary was leaving and and uh, he was able to get that missionary's car. And the missionary said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, starter battery. I have no idea. I haven't had time to look into it. But, but uh, it's not starting all the time. And so this missionary, his name was Herbert, actually. He's teaching in a college now. But uh, he, he uh, got to thinking about that. And he, he was so proud of himself. He found a way in his daily routines and the places he'd go. He, he would always think, where can I park that maybe is on a hill so I can roll it down the hill and jump start it, you know? In flat areas, he made friends with some children. He'd give them candy. They'd push him. He could pop the clutch and get the car started. So literally, for several years, he, he lived his life everywhere he went. He'd, he'd be thinking, uh, where can I park this car so I can, you know, uh, jump start it? He'd be thinking. That, that he was thinking all the time. Well, the time came after a few years for him to return to the States, and another missionary was coming to help fill in for his work. And he was so proud of himself that he'd figured out a way to take this car that wouldn't start and, and make it work for him. And he's telling this missionary coming in, I don't know what's wrong with this car. It doesn't start, but, but uh, I found out, boy, listen, you listen to what I'm telling you. If you park this where I tell you to park it, you can pop the clutch and jump start it and going into this. And the missionary coming in said, pop the hood real quick. He said he walked over and looked at the battery cable, just shook it real quick and uh, said it was loose. Try it now. The guy turned the key and it started right up. Again, that's a lot of the way we, we live life. We try to find our way through without really knowing what the power is all about. We try to just make things happen. We endure needless trials because we, we don't really have the power of God in our life. How many times personally have I found a way to get by with as little of God's strength as possible so I could go uh, on my own in the flesh? Friends, let me tell you something. The Bible says that, that, that God will enable us to increase in strength. Now, I know it says we have no strength, but the Bible is saying God will do that work. He'll build us in, in our lives. He wants us to know what it is to grow. And all of that leads us to really the more familiar verse in this text, a verse that's been made into a song, and perhaps you've heard of it, verse 31. And I want you to look here with me, please. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I want us to see now what I believe we can only see with what we've learned to this point. I want us to see the guidance to strength. We're going to get out of the laboratory of reason, and we're going to get into the hands-on, nitty-gritty. How in the world would a person ever come to have God's strength in their life? The Bible reveals to us in this text Think of the words in verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The first element in the guidelines to strength is prayer. It deals with prayer. 
This concept gives us the idea of our proximity to God. It's speaking of a relationship in which we commune with God. If if you're waiting upon the Lord, the idea is abiding, as in abiding in the vine. God will then bring those resources through your life, the strength that is needed. 1 Peter 3.12 says this, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto uh, their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. As we enjoy the presence of God in our lives and ask Him for the power needed to live to the fullest, we'll find His strength emerge. Do you need God's strength in your life? It begins with prayer, communion with God. But we see not only prayer, secondly, we see the thought of patience. Now, the point has been clearly made, those that wait upon the Lord. And that word wait, I've pointed out in the past, could be similar to like a waiter in a restaurant. A waiter doesn't just stand around. It's not loitering. It's not hanging out. It's occupying yourself in in a patient way. It's not leaving your post. And and there's an element of patience in this. You know, there have been times in my life, maybe you'd say the same, where I've said, God, I need your power and I need it right now. And we really defy the heart of God when we want to come into the throne room of God and tell him how it's going to be. We can be like spoiled children sometimes. God, I need your strength immediately. Now, I have found in my life that God many times comes in a little later than I would have hoped or expected or imagined. But he's never late. He's God. I'm not. You're not. There has to be an element of patience in all of this where we say, Lord, I'm going to need your strength. I'm going through something I'm ill-equipped to handle. I don't know how to do it. I I wouldn't quite know how to tackle this issue in my life, Lord. I'm relying on you. There needs to be prayer. There needs to be patience, humbly coming to God, trusting his timing, his plan. And the third element in this text, I believe, speaks of purpose. Listen now, verse 31 ends. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the word picture in this text is unbelievable. If you want to study that on your own, have a great time because these are powerful words and there's meaning to all of the symbolism. But they all speak of someone who's doing something or going somewhere. You see, God's not interested in giving strength to people who aren't going to use it for the right reason. Sometimes we get going down our own road in life. We say, God, I need your strength. God's thinking, why in the world would I give you strength to go in the wrong direction? I'm not going to help you walk away from me. God, I need your help. Listen, God is, is a much better father than any earthly father has ever been. As a heavenly father, he's not quick to get involved in the lives of his children in an empowering or an enabling way. He's not going to be some divine codependent. He's not interested at all in giving us strength if we're not interested in living out that strength in our lives for his glory. My children from time to time ask me to help them with their homework, and uh, I do. I sometimes charge them a foot rub because I don't want them to get lazy, you know. So I'll get on the couch. They'll be working on their feet on one end. I'm holding the papers on the other end, you know, and uh, they'll, they'll be asking questions, and, and I'm quizzing them and back and forth. And, but I've found from time to time my children will ask me to help with their homework, and really what they're trying to do is borrow my brain to do their work. I can't tell you how uninterested I am in doing their homework. I didn't enjoy doing my own homework. I really don't enjoy doing their homework. And and they'll say, hey, Dad, would you help me with this? I I know what it is. This one really would take some time and a little bit of thought if I can somehow convince Dad, manipulate Dad into doing my work. uh, Boy, that'd be great. That'd be great. And I'm not into that. I'm so totally uninterested in doing their homework. Listen, 
What, what changed their, their objective behind it all? What was their purpose? You know, when we come to God and humbly in a heart of faith, believing that he is, say, God, I'm going to need your strength in my life here because I want a marriage that's pleasing to you. He's thinking, wait a minute, that sounds good. God, I love these little kids you brought into our lives, and we want to rear these children for the glory of God. We want to see them go on and be champions for Christ, and we, we don't know how to do that. God, we're ill-equipped to do those things, and, and God's thinking, that's great. I'm interested in that. God, I, I've got a career I need to build up here, a job that I need to get, and I need wisdom in this area. And God, I, I want to do all things decently and in order, just like you taught me in the Bible, and, and, and I want my family to be just as you'd have it to be. God, I want my life to matter for you. Please give me strength. And God's thinking... That's exactly what I'm talking about. How much do you need? I'll help you out. I'm there for you. That's how God works. You see, God not only has strength, He gives strength. And if God is your partner in life, make big plans. Go for it. Don't settle for low living. Say, Lord, I want to dream as big as you'd have me to dream, and I want to go as far as you would have me to go, and I know that in your strength, you'll take me every step of the way. I'm saying if you attempt great things for God, you can expect great things from God. Because God has the power to do any of this. He can do all of this. He is interested in your life, and God put you together. He assembled you in such a way that you cannot do what needs to be done without strength that comes from him. I wonder today, can we be like that glass and empty out the self and say, all right, Lord, here I am before you. I need you and your strength for you. Maybe today we need to take the, the veritable glass of our lives and run it through a cycle in the washing machine. God, got some, got some germs on here I need to get rid of. I know you're interested in clean vessels, and I'm sorry. I want to make this right. I wonder, I wonder, could you use some of God's power? I think we all could. Our Father, we're thankful today for this opportunity to, to learn and study, and I pray that you'd help us be very sensitive to your leading. Lord, we're grateful that you have power, but we're even more thankful that you give it. You help us. May we yield to you. Pray that in these last two, three minutes here, you'd be pleased that your spirit would have free course. Help us, we pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, and I don't know what you're going through in your life that may require the help of God, the strength of God. But maybe you're here and you'd say, Pastor, listen, I, I'm not in the laboratory of theory either. In my life, in a real way, a tangible way, I could benefit this minute from the strength of God. And for everyone in here, it may be a little different. But maybe today you'd say, Pastor, I think there was some value in a study like that. I, I think I could benefit from the strength of God at work in my life. Are there those like that today by the testimony of an upraised hand? Pastor, there's something in all of this for me. Something in all, all of this for me. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. The overwhelming majority, nearly every hand. And that's wonderful. We need that awareness. But I wonder specifically, what is it that, that can be given over to God? You see, the frustration comes because we tried to do it in our flesh, our power. And it's insufficient, the Bible tells us. 
It's good to say in general, I need God's strength. But I wonder what area today. Maybe it'd be pretty good today just spend a moment in prayer and say, Lord, I'd, I'd like to give this area to you. I've tried it on my own. I, I'm not making great progress. Maybe you'd say I've even made a mess of this. But maybe today there's something specific in your life and you'd like to just tell the Lord, all right, Lord, hands are off the steering wheel of this, this one. You've got it. I need you. At the end, we'll have a time where folks can pray in the front during what we call an invitation time. The front of a church is called an altar. If you'd like to spend a moment in prayer, I'd invite you to do so. It's available to you if you'd like to do that. There'll be counselors also available in the front if you'd like someone to pray with you. We'd be more than happy to do that. But maybe you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, the reality is if I were to die right now, I don't know for sure that I'd spend eternity in heaven. I might. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe your confidence is somewhere between 1% and 99%. But you can't say with 100% certainty that, that uh, you have a relationship with God. And so in the privacy of this moment, I'll, I would never point you out or embarrass you. But you'd say, Pastor, I wouldn't mind at all you thinking of me, you seeing my face in your mind as, as you pray, uh, that, that I would come to the place where I could know more about what it means to have an assurance of a home in heaven when I die, a relationship with God. Are there those this morning about a testimony of a raised hand? Pastor, I'm just not sure if my life ended, that I'd spend eternity in heaven. And I, I don't mind at all the thought of someone being in prayer for me. Are there those like that? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others you'd say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm not sure today. I'd like to be. Maybe there are other needs. You've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized. Maybe the Lord's prompting you to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. Why don't you follow the Lord? And I'm going to tell you how the service is going to end today. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song together. If you know the words, sing along. If not, listening's just fine. I, I, I would imagine almost everybody in this room has responded to the invitation in one way or another. Why don't you act on it? Some today are going to come and just spend a moment in prayer at the front if that's what they feel the Lord would have them to do. If your hand was raised saying that you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to have men and, and ladies alike here in the front who, who have their copy of God's Word. They would love to share with you how you can know. This is the time for it. Don't go home having God touch your heart and not responding to an opportunity to deal with that matter. What's the Lord have for you today. Would you be so kind as to join me in standing, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The music's playing. Steve's going to lead us in a song, I Surrender All. Again, if you know those words, sing along. But when the singing begins, that's your indication it's time to do business with God. It's, it's, it's your time at that moment to make a decision for Christ, to have that question answered. As the singing begins, you come.